Alice Onlin and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello and welcome to the Security Token Show. I'm your host, Kyle Sondland, and with me is my co-host, Herwig Konings, and we're coming to you from our studio here in sunny Miami, Florida. Today, we're going to be giving you the latest security token industry news, telling you about the latest new security token offerings and updates, and giving you a breakdown of last week's trading activity in the secondary market. That's right, and we're going to finish off the show with our weekly main topic discussion, which this week is how stable coins will be used by our household banks in the near future. But of course, we can't get started with first doing our Company of the Week awards, where we are two companies for making the biggest moves in the industry last week. So, Kyle, who's your pick for this week in episode 77? Well, Herwig, my Company of the Week this week is a German real estate firm known as Vinovia. However, this is no ordinary firm, as Vinovia is on one of the largest institutional adopters of security tokens to date. The firm generated nearly 3.7 billion euros in revenue last year with a market cap of 36.6 billion dollars. They have announced the fundraise has begun for the firm's first real estate security token offering. The company has issued a digital bond worth over $20 million on the Stellar blockchain. And on top of that, the firm has also confirmed that Swiss bank M.M. Wahlberg has invested in the bond to begin the institutional offering. So to sum up this deal nicely, Vinovia CFO Helen von Roeder commented on the security token offering saying, quote, we want to test out the new technology to gain experience with it. It's easy to imagine that it will play a significant role in the future of capital markets, issuances, and transparent and traceable in real time, which guarantees a professional transaction standard. Additionally, we can use it to approach new investors around the globe. So it's great to see institutions that are moving in on this new technology and the innovations, and it's Vinovia is very much deserving of recognition and driving adoption into this industry. So congrats so much to Vinovia and to their team for winning my Company of the Week award for this week. Wow, uh, Vinovia is such a great choice there, Kyle. I mean, yet another new player in the security token space, multi-billion dollar player entering into the space. So that's more momentum for Germany since they enacted their new regulations there. Plus the bond offering looks like it's definitely well-structured and as you said, institutional support behind it. Shout out to Bitbond. I think they're working with Bitbond on this deal as well. We've talked about them before and not their first rodeo. Seems like they are one of the industry leaders in Germany there and definitely sounds like a promising first STO for them. So, you know, I think uh, that, that's a great choice there. But Kyle, my winner has been quite active the past few months. You know, we've talked to, about them, you know, they've been listing $150 million worth of real estate with INX. You know, you've mentioned, Kyle, that they're launching an STO in Thailand. And most recently, they have been signing on, you know, several partnerships, including this latest one with Good Dollar which enables real estate investors on their platform, on, on the solid block platform, to also support charity via this new partnership. Uh, so investors can take essentially a percentage of their income that they are, are getting staked from their tokens and it'll go towards this organization, which provides actually a universal basic income platform. I think we can already guess who you're talking about, but tell our listeners, Herwig, who do you got for Company of the Week 77? 
Well, I'm making my company of the week none other than Solid Block, Kyle. From originally, you know, issuing the St. Regis Aspen token to making big waves in the last few weeks, and now a partnership to show how being a security token investor can also make it easy to support social impact organizations with their earnings automatically on the blockchain. So that's a great example of the power of security tokens, I think. Very novel. And for all of those reasons, with that to boot, they definitely deserve this first time award on the show as company of the week. That's fantastic. It's a great choice. It's crazy to think they actually haven't won it yet. So congratulations to Solid Block for winning that. And yes, charity and con contributing back to the community is what everything's all about. That's what life's about and fantastic work for them for finding great partners on that front too. Do well and do good at the same time. They say, Absolutely. Right? Let's get into the industry news. But before I do, of course, I want to let you all know that the articles we cover on this show, they're all sourced from stomarket.com slash news. And they're also available for reference in the about description of the podcast itself, or you can always go to the Security Token Show Medium blog whenever you want to read these articles for yourself. Now, kicking things off, the news is the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, which has officially approved the conversion for Anchorage, which is a digital asset custodian provider we all know, with a national trust bank charter, so long as they follow some conditions focused around capital and liquidity requirements. So specifically, the OCC said on their website, quote, in granting this charter, the OCC applied the same rigorous review and standards applied to all charter applications. By bringing this applicant into the federal banking system, the bank and industry will benefit from the OCC's extensive supervisory experience and expertise. At the same time, the Anchorage approval demonstrates that the national bank charters provided under the National Bank Act are broad and flexible enough to accommodate evolving approaches to financial services in the 21st century. So this goes to show that the financial innovation is happening here in the U.S., but many are questioning the thinking and approach of the new regime at the SEC. We'll have to wait and see there. Meanwhile, I think we can expect more custodian crypto companies that have been looking to do the same to also get approved this year. Next, we saw China's CBDC get an even bigger push in 2021 as China's national blockchain project, the BSN, that's the Blockchain Service Network, looks to launch a global CBDC solution for 2021, being supported by its existing infrastructure, which spans 150 public city nodes with expansion of 50 more to other countries around the world. So this could become the largest universal digital payment network to be put in place. Uh, and I'm in the you know, entire world. So I'm certain this will put pressure on the CBDC projects that are happening everywhere to accelerate, to market. Make no mistake, this is a massive push by China's CBDC program. And over in Gibraltar, the original 2018 legislation on distributed ledger technology and blockchain has been amended to add a 10th core principle designed, designed to regulate digital asset exchanges. So their announcement says that the Market Integrity Working Group has convened to ensure that the added regulation meets the global market standards for exchanges and other marketplace platforms, while also considering recently defined standards set by the EU and other international bodies. So this looks like a move to continue to steer Gibraltar into a, a leading hub for digital assets while remaining in, court, in accordance with its peers across Europe. And in Dubai, their financial regulator, the Dubai Financial Services Authority, said other regulatory regime for digital securities and cryptocurrencies will be developed. Specifically, they said, quote, the DFSA is committed to remain open for business with respect to innovation in the financial services sector, and we continue to explore how a regulatory regime can accommodate new and innovative business models, end quote. So this shows you that they are pro-security tokens and open-minded to cryptocurrencies, even citing that the regulation will cover both security tokens and utility 
trade tokens, payment tokens, and exchange tokens, as well as provide regulation for the firms that provide the services in the space. So all in all, Dubai's financial market ecosystem is about to evolve to the 21st century. No hint as to when we will see some rules, but I'm sure like most regulators, it will provide a draft framework for market participants to comment on, presumably sometime this year. And speaking of Dubai, the jurisdiction alongside the UAE has been shortlisted for the new headquarters by the tech company behind now the fifth largest cryptocurrency, XRP, down from third since being sued by the SEC last month and down over 50% in price, according to CoinMarketCap. So for potentially selling 1.3 billion in unregistered securities, the Ripple, the firm, and its co-founders are in serious hot water right now being sued by the SEC. Editor-at-large at Yahoo Finance, Daniel Roberts, gives a fantastic breakdown of the case and how Ripple plans to defend itself, specifically by disassociating any company correlation to the XRP token as it stands. This case could have, uh, you know, of course, some serious ramifications for the crypto and security token industry, as we've covered in our one of our first episodes of the show, episode six. So we'll definitely keep you updated on this as it progresses. And moving into company announcements, we saw JP Morgan give blockchain-based HELOC lender figure, that's the equity home equity line of credits for HELOC there, by the way. Specifically, they received a $100 million financing facility from the bank so that they can further originate blockchain-based HELOCs with the money. Now, that's the model that has been proven by the firm figure already, having recently performed the largest securitization of HELOCs since the OA crisis. It should become easier now for them to raise debt from the big banks so they can continue to deploy capital. Capital. And next we saw Prometheum, a tokenization and issuance platform in the US, announce a $15 million financing round off the heels of last week's HQLIX announcement, raising over 14 million euros. So this brings a total fundraising efforts for Prometheum to $27 million, making it one of the larger you know, platforms in the space uh, in terms of capital raise. And the FINRA registered firm recently acquired an ATS, Spark Transfer Services, in hopes of creating an end-to-end -end digital security token ecosystem. It seems like this raise will definitely help with that as they look to accelerate growth in 2021 as it looks to launch. And another alternative trading system marketplace acquisition is supposedly near completion with INX announcing that the open financing you know, takeover price has been finalized, meaning that assuming that they get FINRA approval, the deal will go through and INX will be able to facilitate security token trading compliantly in the US under the open finance uh, license. So still the announcement seems a lot like fluff as the final terms weren't actually even disclosed. And across the ocean, we also saw digital security token exchange CryptoSX out of the Philippines announce support for Ravencoin assets, which includes the first ever Ravencoin STO to Naga Island Resorts, and it's expected to be listed within this quarter. So Ravencoin is a blockchain protocol forked from Bitcoin in 2017, exclusively focused on tokenizing assets and securities. The exchange has been working with Ravencoin and AlphaPoint to ensure a smooth integration for assets such as the Tanaga Island Resorts. And specifically, CryptoSX founder Philip Tam said, quote, we are highly focused trading platform for security tokens and understand that we need to continuously improve functionalities and cost benefit attributes for our clients and investors. Ravencoin came into our radar in early 2020. And as we began to examine alternative tokenization protocols, we decided that they were the, the platform to work with. So uh, this, you know, end quote, this means we can expect other security tokens that have been issued, you know, like Ethereum, Stellar and Tezos to also be supported potentially in the future. But Ravencoin will be there first. 
And finally, Curio Invest, a Swiss company that has tokenized a Ferrari and has over 500 collectible cars in its pipeline, has officially announced support for MakerDAO and the DAI stablecoin within their DeFi ecosystem. So you see over the last six months, Curio has been launching a full DeFi platform for Curio security tokens. And now they have officially announced support uh, for the MakerDAO and DAI stablecoin. So essentially, what they're saying is in the coming weeks, a, a German collectible will come to the platform and it will pay out the exit proceeds in the DAI stablecoin to coin holders. So as the announcement says, this brings a community of DAI holders to Curio as part of their investment, you know, as part of their investment portfolio with DAI, meaning that they can essentially use their tokens into the Curio uh, security token ecosystem. It's one of the only other security tokens to leverage a stablecoin, actually. It's similar to Realty in the United States, which also does the same, and it's also focused on DeFi. And for our last section of the news, I have some resources and opinion articles to share with you all from last week. The first is an article in Brave New Coin arguing that security tokens will have a greater impact in 2021. It's authored by key members of the ICON blockchain team and that cites that growing regulatory approval for security tokens around the world and a convergence of DeFi will further accelerate adoption in the space. So check it out for yourself if you're interested. And Mondak India published an article by the Ikage Law that thoroughly describes the differences and benefits and drawbacks of crowdfunding tokenization and interestingly enough, REIT digitization, aka the combination of the two for REITs. And we're big on that here at SCG. In fact, we've got something big coming up on that and we may announce that soon. But if you ask us nicely, maybe we'll tell you about it over the phone call. And if you like Peter Gaffney's article last week about tokenizing the American Airlines Arena in Miami, then you'll be thrilled to hear that he started writing a new series called Tokenize This, where every Wednesday we can expect a new article talking tokenizing something new. So we got the beta test with the American Airlines Arena, and I guess the article did so well that he's launched week one already, tokenizing Airbnb properties. Kyle predicted that rental markets would become a huge use case for security tokens, and Peter is looking like he's thinking the same. So check out his article on Medium to get the full rundown. And speaking of tokenized real estate, Krill Shilov on Hacker Noon gave us a breakdown of what happened in the space in 2020. He's definitely missing quite a bit uh, you know, uh, on all things real estate, but he's giving us quite a nice synopsis of where the space is headed. Surely, you know, uh, nothing but good things in 2021, I'd say, for tokenized real estate based on his article. Definitely go check that out if you've got a few minutes. And that's the full rundown of the industry news from uh, last week for you wonderful listeners. So, Kyle, uh, do we have any industry webinars this time coming up? I've got one event on the docket for everyone this week, and it continues the iStocks webinar series that we've covered multiple times in the past. And so that's actually going to be going on next week, but I wanted to cover it this week as well so that any listeners that wanted to join in could, could set their schedule. And so next week, iStocks will be sitting down with an executive from the TMF Group which is a financial services firm that generates over half a billion euros in revenue per year to discuss blockchain-based security tokens. So this is an introductory event that actually does explain what digital securities are and their benefits to capital markets. And they're also gonna dig into how to structure business models in order to capitalize on this opportunity. And I think it's going to be a great perspective from TMF Group because they do auditing, they do a lot of the bookkeeping, and they take it from the accounting side. And so they may have a lot of unique perspectives, not only from that accounting side, but as an institutional financial services provider. So following all of that, there actually will additionally be a case study and a Q&A session for the audience that you can tune in and maybe even submit some of your own questions. So if you're new to security tokens, this might be a great way to jump in and go over to review those basics that you don't necessarily hear on this show because we sometimes get into pretty strong details. 
details, but it's also going to be a very institutional perspective on the technology, which is a new and kind of refreshing opinion that you don't always get. So tune in January 27th at 7 a.m. Eastern time. That's 8 p.m. Singapore time, but uh, most of our listeners are, are closer to our time zone here. So 7 a.m. EST on January 27th, and you can sign up using the link that's in the description below or anywhere that you're listening. And that's it, honestly, for the events this week. So remember, you can submit any news or institutional events or anything that you've got on stomarket.com slash news so that we can cover it on the show for next week or any other week in the future. But bouncing into security token offerings, we have a couple of updates. The first one is from Curzio Research. And so they have confirmed that the first quarterly dividend for 2021 will be distributing very soon. The firm promised a dividend for shareholders and is delivering on that promise. And if you're a shareholder of record on February 1st, 2021, you will be eligible to receive the payment on February 18th, 2021. The Q1 dividend will be at $0.03 a share, which annualized will represent about a 1.7% yearly dividend on top of that equity appreciation of the firm over that time period. So considering the CEO token is up 40% on merge since listing, it's great to see a dividend as well to provide another revenue stream for shareholders. Well done to the Curzio Research team. It's fantastic. I know. I think you can find that on Merge. And uh, that's really great news that they are continuing to hold their dividend. Yeah. So it's three cents on a $7 share. So it's it's a pretty small dividend. But remember, it's quarterly. So this is only the first quarter's dividend. You'd expect to get three more distributions this year as well. They are a client of Security Token Advisors in the past. So we are big fans of what they're doing. Absolutely. And as we covered last week, the Infinite Fleet video game has officially kicked off its fundraise via a security token. If you haven't heard of this deal yet, it's that Luxembourg-based Exordium that has just launched their token-based funding round in some select European countries to develop a multiplayer online video game called Infinite Fleet. These tokens are being issued through the tokenization platform Blockstream, and the fundraise is going on through Stalker. And so the firm actually had additional great news announcing Monday that Tether International Limited, which is an arm of the stablecoin issuer Tether, is leading the funding round and actually invested a million dollars into Exordium's token sale for the fundraise launch that just began, I think it was last Thursday. And as Coindesk reported in the article linked in the description below, this is actually the second funding round conducted by a security token offering by this specific issuer as they raised a little over $3 million in a private security token offering for this Infinite Fleet video game back in August. And now this one is the, the publicly available one, at least for select European jurisdictions. The firm is raising up to $8 million in this round. And according to the Stalker site, they have actually already raised about $2.5 million. So they've got a 3 mil soft cap and 54 days remaining on the public fundraise. So things look pretty bright for this offering. I'll keep you updated on the progress, but but very exciting stuff. And, and uh, I'm going to check out this video game too. I think it's mostly because I gave them my company of the week back in 2020. I'm sure that's why everyone's excited to invest. We absolutely, I'm sure, drove all of that track. <laughs> a small update as well from the INX fundraise. As we mentioned, they are building a security token exchange. Here we covered they're actually acquiring open finance and determining those terms. I actually tracked all of the fundraising information I could through on-chain data on Ethereum. And essentially the way that that works is that INX is, is doing a pretty unique strategy where the minute that they get money in, they're actually distributing those tokens to the investors of that project. So there's, I don't think anywhere to trade them at this point because INX is still building out their platform, but at least you can self-custody your asset. And so 
this information is all on chain. So I was actually able to go through and log in all of the different Ethereum transactions to calculate how many tokens have been issued. And once you've determined how many tokens are issued, you can then multiply that by the investment price, which was 90 cents per token, which means that the firm has raised just over 24 million US dollars to date, according to Etherscan. This is certainly just, just my speculation. Um, and that's the process that I calculated for. So it seems like they're they're well over um, their hard cap. They're, they're on a great pace and their fundraise isn't over yet. So they may be still looking to raise and they may close some more millions. No small amount there. Very, very good job, INX. Congratulations. And then our one and only new security token offering this week comes from Exodus, which is a blockchain-based wallet provider that has announced its consideration for a security token offering. And yes, you heard that right. According to the Securities IO report, they actually haven't committed to the process, but they're exploring it. And, <laughs> and so um, they do give extensive details on what the offering might look like, which suggests that maybe this is a veiled soft launch to get a couple commitments before actually announcing that public fundraise. But as of right now, it is just a consideration. And so the company is no newcomer to the blockchain industry or to the technology as they launched in 2015. And according to the report, added about 20 or 200,000 new customers to its platform just in 2020 alone. So they've got a, a real large network. Again, this is Exodus. They build blockchain-based wallets. And so according to the plans, the firm would launch both a Reg A plus and Reg S offering, which would allow for retail investors here in the US to invest as well as international investors around the world. And they're looking to raise up to 50 million USD worth of equity in this offering. And so before we go through the rest of the terms, I just wanted to pause here and note that we didn't get any valuation figures in this deal. So I'm not sure how much equity you're getting in exchange for that 50, but 50 million is a ton of money. Um, so you definitely want to make sure that you're, you're, you're doing your research there, but um, it's, it's fantastic. And, and the company has a huge user base and they've got adoption. So they certainly may have the tech to back it up. The firm is actually going to be working with Securitize on the issuance, allowing for investors to use that Securitize ID platform to manage all their sensitive personal information, as well as using Exodus to accept crypto and fiat in their offering. And so some final closing terms that I thought were relevant were that they are doing an estimated 25 bucks per share, as well as they're, they're issuing on Ethereum. And you actually will be able to custody these tokens through the Exodus wallet itself which again, kind of bridges that gap between crypto and blockchain and security tokens. So this is all awesome stuff. Great work, Exodus. Excited to see that they're exploring this stuff. And it's very cool to see that a lot of the traditional custody infrastructure and things that we've built out for crypto still can be relevant and useful for the security token space. So best of luck to them. And please, come on, how about you just announce it at this point? And moving into the market update, as always, all of our news, but also the pricing data is sourced from stomarket.com. We've got all of those great figures and all that research you can do there. And so the total security token market cap this week was right around that $390 million mark, which is right where we were at last week. We kind of held flat. And the, the couple points to note here, T0 is still trading in that $3 range. It bounced up to about 10% this week to $3.30. But it does seem that there's this growing resistance price right around the $3 range for the token as it has tested that low price a few times over the past week or two. And it does seem to bounce off of it pretty strongly, which means that hopefully the shares have stopped the bleeding a little bit as it's really did not have a good close to 2020. But 
Either way, fundamentals do suggest that the platform needs higher trading volumes in order to generate any dividends for their shareholders, which in turn should increase the price as people you know, put less discount on that value. So as we've covered on the show before, the T0 token does not represent equity in the company, but rather the owners are entitled to revenues generated from the trading volumes on the platform which you can see the firm drive value through in either increasing investors that are trading the token or by increasing the tokens for investors to trade. So hopefully they do both, but only time will tell. Moving on, the Uniswap real estate properties. that I talk about these every week as well. They're pretty fun. I really like following the properties because it's sometimes really extreme volatility that you can see on a daily or weekly time frame, but it's fascinating to see that they actually really hold their value strongly over the long term. So for example, I just picked a random property. This one was 102428 Appaline, which is a multifamily apartment building at right around that 600,000 market cap. And the trading price holds a very consistent 130 to 140 range, which it's pretty much held since listing close to a year ago back in March 2020. It's really been in that range most of the time. However, if you dig into the daily trading data, you can go on stomarket.com and check that out you'll see that it's had some pretty crazy price changes over the span of the last few days. Let's see, January 15th, it was at 140. The 16th, the next day, it was up to 153, which is a 10% increase in a day. And then the next day, January 17th, it was down to 135, which is an 11.71% decrease. And then January 18th, it was at 138, up 2% and bouncing kind of right back to that 140 range. So literally in the span of three or four days, you have a 20% price swing from, from up to down, which really is is pretty crazy. It would suggest to me a change a change in the trading pair base value, in this case would be Ethereum, um, or a change in liquidity of the pool. The pool sizes likely were determining the price changes here, since realistically the asset itself seems to be pretty stable and has that established value. We've mentioned it pays off its dividends and investors are happy about it. And again, the price determining that the asset seems stable really comes down to the fact that the price is held consistent over the course of, of 12 months or so. But these, these these very volatile swings are pretty interesting. And you know, as we've mentioned before, an investor might be able to recognize that and determine pretty good entry and exit prices based off of those trends um, and, and calculating some of those tangential factors that could you know, change this asset's trading price in dollars. So it's not the only example this week. You can go to a lot of the different tokens and see those changes, but there are certainly arbitrage opportunities like this all over the place, and uh, and you see it here in the Uniswap assets. So keep your eyes peeled for any trading opportunities you want to jump on. Thanks for that market report, Kyle. I mean, what another crazy week on the Uniswap front. Definitely considerable price swings there for real estate assets. But, you know, this is this could be seen as a downside to innovation like this. But I know you'll get to the root of it, uh, Kyle. And in the end, Realty's assets continue to grow and are some of the most liquid security tokens available usually. So Absolutely. And, yeah, these these little price volatilities, that's kind of what you get with a decentralized exchange and some of those, those more decentralized market-making opportunities. But we'll dig into that some other day. I don't have anything more from you on that front for this week. So how about we just jump right into the main topic, shall we? Let's do it. This week, we're going to be talking about banks and how stable coins will be used in our everyday lives. So when you say bank, you don't necessarily mean investment bank or commercial bank. You're really just talking about good old retail consumer banks, right? You betcha. Your Chase, Bank of America, your Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo's right of the world. Those things you send your money to just so that you can use things like debit cards and credit cards or so at least you don't have to hide your money under a mattress, right? Yeah, this one is one of the most hated industries 
countries in the country for their fees and abysmal service on top of the pretty much non-existent interest rates that you get on those savings accounts. But most of the people, honestly, in the crypto community really should, I think they believe that they should be removed altogether, which you know you can have your own opinions on. But obviously, it's a highly regulated industry with incredibly high compliance standards and license requirements, which does offer some sort of a moat for the industry, regardless of public opinion. Right, and the purpose of today's topic is to review what that future could look like with stable coins. So CBDCs are rapidly being tested and deployed across the world, and it shouldn't be long before we have one here in the United States. And meanwhile, billions of dollars are flying into private stable coin issuers to tokenize cold hard cash. So it's a critical component for the digital asset industry, just as we've seen with the MakerDAO and Cura collaboration, or with Venovio's bond, they'll probably be paying with stable coins as well. But with CBDC and stablecoins critics have brought up privacy concerns and controls, so we're going to cover that at the end too. Indeed, this is definitely not meant to get philosophical about privacy today, but we do want to highlight some of those concerns critics might bring up. But in my experience, it seems that most people will give up their privacy as a trade-off for something better, usually improving their lives. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. But uh, so what do you want to lead off with here, Herwig? I mean, let's assume our economy is now using a tokenized US dollar and your bank is using the technology. What does that mean for you? Well, I'd first start with my favorite benefit, which is that you know hackers and bank robbers can't steal our <laughs> cash anymore. You know, if each one of my dollars is tokenized and backed by the U.S. government, it is, and if it's you know marked as stolen from my bank account, which you know incidentally would be then in this case using some kind of a wallet technology. Well, if it's marked as stolen, it can be rendered frozen and useless, and the U.S. government or my bank, with the approval from the government or the Fed, can reissue those dollars right back to my account and. Just like that, we now have a workaround to a problem that has plagued banks since they were invented in the first place. Totally. That's the same benefit for security tokens as it is for stable coins. People just can't hack what you legally own. Well said. But what about you, Kyle? What's your favorite? I think for me, it would have to be instant transfers, Herwig, because whether it's trying to move money out of my account, between accounts, to other people, to businesses, and simply put, it can be a real pain in the ass. And the banking system is built on an archaic network that is closed on bank holidays and weekends, and blockchain is the only thing that can enable that secure instant transfer between those participants. It's, I mean, it's because everyone's identity is already tied to their wallet and the clearing and settlement process between accounts can be done instantly because it's all based on the data on chain. It's not a system of which bank owns what amount of cash and how much they should decide to lend to each other you know, before giving it to you. And the thought that if I have to access, if I have access in my bank account, that I can freely move it between my accounts and to people instantly, that's a game changer for me. And it solves a problem that I know myself and many others listening deal with regularly in today's financial economy. Oh yeah, that's definitely game changing for people's lives. That's not just a luxury sometimes, as you might point out, but it's also necessity sometimes. We're talking about survival for some people. And the cherry on top is that it might even be cheaper to perform these transfers now. Absolutely. I mean, in principle, it should be. So what else you got, Herwig? What do you like? Uh, okay, how about the capability of managing your own money? You know, the idea is there to, in principle today, but it's built on a completely archaic infrastructure. If the entire economy were to be using the same tokenized stablecoin solution, you know, programming your money habits becomes a lot easier. And the government uh, can actually work with you even more. So, for example, marking special funds for you. Think food stamps or more recently the economic stimulus payments, right? In theory, the government could have handed those out instantly to 200 million banked people in the U.S. overnight. 
uh, you know, funds of all kinds, investment accounts, office petty cash, parents allowance, trust managed, all these things can now be marked and programmatically used in the economy. Yeah, that's definitely true and a great use case. I mean, how many people need those stimulus checks right now? And why would we opt for a system that takes months versus a more efficient, faster, and likely option with fewer errors that, that could be available to us just by using stable coins. Yeah, and I think that's where you'll get some critics argue that about the concern of privacy here, like you're trading your right to using money or that you have a new form of financial surveillance available to the government. Yeah, but before we go in that direction of the discussion, we do have to remember that the government pretty much already has access to our financial records and that we rely on their fiat currency. So the government isn't able to send stimulus payments in Bitcoin. Yeah, definitely not. I think that would require an entirely different type of infrastructure for the economy for that to work. Uh, but your point is that we aren't giving up too many more controls or privacy anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, in a sense, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, think about credit scores, which is a system arbitrarily developed to help monitor someone's worthiness of extending a loan to. Loans, by the way, are, are the primary tool for wealth gains, such as it helping you to get a mortgage or to buy your first home. But credit scores also monitor your activities. And I would argue that a digital dollar might even be better for credit score systems because with more information, the credit score can portray a more accurate picture and understand your true condition. Additionally, it would be easier to offer money habits advice or potentially offering benefits and credit redemption opportunities through saving and proper money management. So it's not all bad. Oh, I definitely agree with that, Kyle. This would definitely improve or create a new credit system altogether, maybe. Remember that lenders could now programmatically leverage your bank account as well. Again, sounds kind of scary, but also it's good because it can enable more opportunities to those who previously couldn't access them, right? It's just based on your financial information. So sure, you trade privacy, but unless you're doing something illicit, it really shouldn't be a problem. It should also be stressed that there can be levels of confidentiality implemented, things like anonymized data and unique identifiers for individuals so that their personal information isn't actually compromised. Yeah, there's absolutely some significant privacy issues at play here that we'd need to work out, starting with from the government. The government is notoriously elementary with their data security, and providing such a large organization with that much oversight into your daily life and spending habits is certainly a concern. I mean, we just saw the U.S. Treasury got hacked in late December, and I feel like we see financial institutions get hacked all the time. I think that the newest metric is like 20 billion records have been hacked to date. And what happens when a hacker doesn't just access your email address or your whatever, but they can actually download an entire log of your spending history? I mean, it's very real, even without hacks. Another example might be that the Department of Motor Vehicles today, which is a government agency that handles driver's licenses and other vehicle registrations, and they already sell your data. Florida's Motor Vehicle License Department made 77 million that way in 27 alone. So once your data leaves your hands, it's for anyone else to do what they want with, and, and with all that financial information, it, it's definitely a big risk. Yeah, I bet a lot of people didn't know that stat about the DMV. It's a, definitely a lot of money that they're making. They do it across the country. Uh, you're totally right that there are definitely legitimate privacy concerns here. You'd also have some concerns around the custody of your own assets, I think, too, right? Absolutely. I mean, the more control the government has over your assets, the more at risk you are of losing them unjustly. Many believe that self-custody of your assets, whether it's securities, commodities, or M1 like cash, is a fundamental right, which is where the idiom from the Bitcoin community, not your keys, not your coins, comes from. So if you store an asset on a third party, then you're relinquishing control of your assets to that custodian. Sure, you do have legal rights to those assets, but ask people how much that was worth during a bank run where the banks literally ran out of cash from those fleeing the markets. 
There's also civil forfeiture and criminal you know, proceedings like bank freezes that can give government entities you know, the ability to seize your assets. So these are real situations that you can observe by reading about you know, any fallen civilization or looking at any corrupt government. Once they run out of money, these things happen. So these things are real fears that fuel development of other alternatives like privacy coins, which you know, restricts a wallet's identification, or through Bitcoin, which promotes self-custody and aims a battle, you know, battle against any type of uh, government censorship. Yeah, but the reality is we're, we're pretty much heading in, in this direction anyway. As we've mentioned already, people always seem to trade privacy for convenience and the credit cards and online shopping that we do today already provide these firms with all of our data and spending habits. So, I mean, you really have to think to yourself, how often do you actually use cash today? And would you be willing to pay extra for your goods and services in order to preserve cash use? And if you don't answer yes to that last one, you may as well just embrace the benefits and accept the cost of losing that privacy. Definitely. Despite all the negative talk, you know, to close out this topic, stable coins are an exciting innovation that can provide limitless benefits to the general public, we think. You know, this industry exploded in 2020 and it's on the same trajectory now in 2021. So I can't wait to see where we are to close out this year. And there you have it, folks, the good and the bad of stable coins and banks. So with that, I think we can call it a show, Kyle. Thanks again again for everyone tuning into the show this week remember to check out stlmarket.com news to submit any articles and join our community or check out any of the links in the description of the podcast wherever you're listening you can also follow us on twitter and linkedin and feel free to connect and shoot us any questions or feedback we always would love to talk to you and uh, we hope to catch you next week thanks for listening <laughs>